Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. the Bell House, Brooklyn, New York. Welcome back to our second segment of Star Talk Live. Jim Gaffigan, Sarah Silverman, Eugene Merman, our comedic panel. And I've got with me my friend and colleague, David Grinspoon. Dave, thanks for coming up for this. Oh, thanks for having me. This is a blast. Yeah. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Agreed. So, we've been talking about Mars so far. There's stuff we haven't talked about yet. For example, there was this planned mission to Phobos, one of Mars's moons. What Phobos? was that supposed to do? Phobos. Phobos and Deimos. If you knew your yep. Greek mythology, Designers. you would know that Phobos and Deimos were... Sex acts. On Star Trek. <laughs> Monsters. <laughs> They're the moons of Mars and they're fear and death. Which makes sense because Mars That's is the god of war, so Mars is surrounded by fear and death, Phobos and Deimos. Yeah. Does it have one of those teardrop tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. That's one of the things we would have found out had this Phobos grunt mission worked. So what was it going to do? The Russians had this mission. It was really an awesome <laughs> spacecraft that would have gone and landed on Phobos, popped around, and it was even taking bugs, earth bacteria, to the moon of Mars to see what would happen to it and bring it back why to would earth. They bring, why would they do that? To see what happened. We're okay, really so, so interested we, in what happens to we, life in outer space. And one way to find out is you take life, even just bacteria, yeah. on a journey and you bring it back and see what happened to it. Yeah, but why did that journey have to actually land somewhere? You could just hang out in empty space Wait. and then come back. You didn't have to poison another planet with our bacteria. That's very Andromeda strain in reverse. Wait, have we taken like the common cold or some bacteria, flown it to outer space sure. and brought it back to see if it'll create Ebola or something like that? <laughs> Well, we've definitely taken lots of common call to outer space, whether we like to or not. Because your engineers sneezed on the cameras. So the bugs spend years in space. Yeah. And you're waiting to see if radiation will somehow alter the DNA and turn into another species by the time it gets back. Yeah, well, we're thinking about sending people there eventually, so... You know, yeah, but mostly kids. We want to start out with bacteria. Yeah. They learn languages or, quickly, they no, or, or really old people. <laughs> Timmy, it just sounds well, like you're making monsters. I gotta it. agree with Jim on but this. But that yeah. could be what we're here to do. <laughs> right? We've taken bugs we understand and have characterized, sending them to Mars, 
hoping, expecting that your radiation will alter their DNA, who's going to open the vial when it comes back? You? Well, I would. It's not my job, really, to do that. But we should have David Lee Roth do it. Yeah. <laughs> we would come say, up with these people. I would say he'd enjoy it, and if something happened, mm. yeah. Yeah, it is a weird thing to do, I'll admit. And, you know, the Russians do things a little bit differently, but it is a really interesting scientific question, what happens to life in outer space. It's something we have to understand if we're ever going to send people. Well, I can tell you this, that the history of our thinking about Mars, practically every Mars movie I've ever seen, something bad happened to people there, or Martians came here and vaporized us. It's bad. No one ever shows up at Mars and is just James Taylor singing a song. And you're like, this is so nice. Well, the problem is if you pitched that, it probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't get made. It wouldn't make a good movie. Yeah, exactly. But that is the reality. Of course. <laughs> so when are we sending people? You're just making it. When are we sending people? When do you want to? Now. I mean, uh, now. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Now. It depends what you mean by we. If you mean by we, the. Na- China. By we, I mean China. If you mean China, then all bets are off. If you mean NASA, don't hold your breath. It's going to be decades. You know, some of these Silicon Valley zillionaires are talking about mounting their own missions, and there are other countries getting in the game. People are talking about a new space race. If somebody decided they wanted to, they could be there in in a decade. What if the five of us agree? (laughs) Do you think that would be enough? Or yeah. would we need more? How much do you need? You it know, like, depends. Are you independently wealthy? I could throw in like five bucks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so what's the right number of people, do you think, for <laughs> such a mission? And how about the, like, the sex ratio? And is it yeah. celibate people for three years? Or do you expect... <laughs> how often people? are they going to have sex? Right, right. Have you, have, <laughs> yeah. When we send people there, will they be having sex? Well, <laughs> I'm just wondering. And the mission will be long enough... Because it's a year there, you got to hang out there because the orbital alignment of Earth and Mars requires you wait another couple of years until the configuration will serve your trip back. So the total round trip is three, four years, right? Yeah. So you could like so have babies on Mars. Absolutely. But the radiation could be a problem with the having babies thing. So, but I'm they not... could also stay inside the ship. No, inside the ship doesn't help you. Inside really? the ship could be even worse radiation-wise because a little bit of shielding makes it worse because the radiation comes in and splatters the atoms apart and makes neutrons, and it's actually worse to have a little bit of Wait, shielding. When you say we could send somebody there in 10 years, do you mean to die right away? <laughs> Basically. We could send somebody there, and they would have about four hours. No. <laughs> and I hope they have sex during that time because they're about to die. <laughs> So how long could a person live, possibly, in a shuttle on Mars? Like a day, a week, a year? Well, we're trying to figure that out. Ten years on Mars might kill you, unless we figure out how to make a shelter. Now, you probably could make a shelter just by going underground, but we're still working that problem. What if it was a really good ten years, though? (laughs) Well, exactly. The interesting thing is people have proposed one-way missions, and... There have been lots of volunteers. In other words, would you... What's the point of a one-way mission? To boldly go. So to... just to boldly die. Yeah. Right? No, no, but why? Why not People would write songs about you. Oh, okay, a one-way mission because it's more feasible. It's cheaper. It's hard to bring someone back. Actually, we can't even bring rocks back. We tried these sample return missions. We tried to design them to land something... And then you have to bring another spacecraft, fuel it, and then launch it. It's technically a lot harder. If I'm going to Mars, I'll want you to do that. 
<laughs> it doesn't cost 10 times as much to bring you back, maybe two or three times as much. Well, it's, it's a funny. factor of, of a few. It magnifies, though, because you have to bring the return vehicle and you have to bring the fuel so and the complexity. Or make your fuel when you get there. Live in the future. Have filling stations en route. This is the future we all thought we'd be in already. And you're telling me I gotta haul it with me? <laughs> yeah. Get started. Land on an asteroid. <laughs> Dig in and eat it. <laughs> I thought I could already be eating asteroids. <laughs> Get on it, science. When Star Talk Live comes back, we're gonna talk about destinations elsewhere in the solar system beyond Mars. Star Talk Live, Bellhouse! <laughs> So we've got spacecraft everywhere now. There's no place left unlooked at. We got Messenger, and what's it? Mercury, the little guy near the sun. Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. And so what do we find there? Well, there's ice at the poles, we think, which is really weird considering the Mercury's that close to the sun. There's a much stronger magnetic field than wait, we Wait, wait, so that would be ice? That would be ice where the sun doesn't shine? Yes. Okay. Yes. It would be a crater so deep that no sunlight reaches the bottom of it, so you can trap water there. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you go near the poles, and the sun is very low, and never gets very high in the sky, so the rim of a crater permanently shadows the bottom of the crater. And if you put water there, it will never see sunlight, and it'll sink into a deep cold, freeze, and remain there forever. That's why we think there's water on the moon, for yeah, that reason. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we also water see, on the moon uh, right now. You didn't know about water on the moon? By Gil Scott Heron. <laughs> no, that's Whitey. <laughs> All right, so what else? Any other top well, high well, points of Mercury? Yeah, it's got a much more complex history than we used to think. We used to think Mercury was just a sort of, what we call an end member, just a dead, cold, small world. But it's got a complex, long volcanic history. That's been a surprise. It's, it's more interesting and much more complex than we, we thought before we went there with Messenger. Okay, so next out, we've got Venus. Who's at Venus now? Well, there's a spacecraft called Venus Express, a little European space agency. I love no, because, that name. Because they had like a year to build and launch this thing. They said, we got a spacecraft if you can do it quickly. So they put together the Why did they have a they, year to do it? Because there was a spare from Mars Express. And they said, whoever can come up with a mission quickly can launch this thing. And so they came up with instruments and they sent it to Venus. And it, it was actually amazing how fast they were able to do it. And the thing has been in orbit for years and still working. So it's basically our first weather satellite at Venus, which what is neat. It's, it's also where we get those razor blades, right? <laughs> That's right. They go so up, they, they get them, they bring them back. Oh. You know? That's some efficiency. <laughs> Spin-offs. Okay, so it's monitoring Venus weather. The runaway greenhouse effect is there. Yeah, and, and yeah. Venus is a changeable and complex place like Earth. And so wait, 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 Venus has a runaway greenhouse and there's not even people there. 
Yeah, that's right. We can't blame people for the greenhouse on Venus. On Venus. Something okay. went wrong on Venus. Very wrong. And Venus, we call it our sister planet because it's like the same size and gravity and everything. Yet, it's like 900 freaking degrees. Yeah, well, some people call it our evil twin because it's the same size as Earth. It's basically made out of the same stuff. But it went down this road of extreme greenhouse warming. It went bad. Don't let this happen to your planet. Do you think there are monsters there? <laughs> <laughs> we can't rule it out yet. Okay. Is there, like, water? Sorry. Is there water? I should say not, it into the mic. Not on the surface. Not into the drink. <laughs> it's 900 degrees on the surface, but there are clouds that it's are... very hot. There's sulfuric acid clouds, but there's water in the clouds. So there is water sort of 30 degrees above the surface in this global cloud deck. There is no planet you've described so far that it seems great to live on. <laughs> like, you never go, like, and it's actually, like, have you been to Costa Rica? It reminds me of that. You know, it like, just... Everything is just, like... It's on fire. Oh, it's cold like death. <laughs> it depends what you're used to. Well, I'm, well, so I'm used to, to this slash Costa Rica. <laughs> it's probably so are a you good into terraforming? Skiing. Am I into terraforming? Well, terraforming is the idea of taking a non-Earth-like planet and engineering we it. We saw to the be search for Spock. We yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Spock. The Genesis planet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think terraforming is a great sort of uh, mental exercise. It's good to think about because it gets us to think about how we would purposefully change the climate of a planet. Something we really need to think about because we purposely may need to... as opposed to As opposed not purposely. to inadvertently like we're doing right now. It, oh, someone's snap. falling for liberal propaganda. <laughs> so I, I think it's a valuable exercise to say, how would we intentionally alter the climate of a planet. Geoengineering. Okay, so it's Venus. What do we have looking down at Earth? We have a huge number of satellites, weather satellites, landsats, things that are uh, multi-spectral imagers, things that are looking in different wavelengths at land use and chlorophyll in the ocean. I mean, Earth is pretty well covered. We don't have anything like that at any other planet. We just have these little sentinels, emissaries out at other planets. But Earth, we have a pretty good network of satellites. And those are even the ones that they tell us about, you know, that aren't classified. There's probably even better ones. You think, like, Facebook is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Secretly watching us from space. I think it's Google, yeah. They're making Google. those, you know. So there's all these cameras. They're watching us, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how it starts. <laughs> but then a madman gets control of that. <laughs> <laughs> then the asteroid belt. There's, like, a gazillion asteroids there. Are you I, being literal? That's the technical yeah, term, yeah. Yeah, gazillion, yeah. yeah now, I don't know. Google's a real thing. <laughs> Because like gazillion, Ugh. it doesn't go above trillion or yeah. ultra doodle. He said Google's a real thing. He's he's referencing the number Google. Yes, G O O G O L Google, which is one followed by a hundred zeros. That's a Google, and then the company Google decided to change the spelling, and then they messed with everyone's auditory expectation. They ruined that. it. It's like kids are us or whatever, you know. Yeah, they just kind of totally. <laughs> Yeah. And a Google to the Google power is a Googleplex. No. It's 10 to the Google power. Oh, is that true? Yeah. What's a Google to the Google power? I don't know, but it's not a Google. Fight! 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 No, 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 no. What happened? Well, Googleplex fight. I've seen it happen millions of times. Anyway, so there's life in sulfuric clouds on Venus. Oh, we're past Venus. We're in the asteroid belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because there's a gabillion of them. A gazillion. 
Sorry to be wrong about the number. <laughs> so what do we have in the asteroid belt? Well, we actually have a spacecraft out there now called Dawn. It's been orbiting an asteroid called Vesta for a while now and, and getting these really amazing 3D close-up pictures. And this is really like a small planet. You know, we can get into what's a planet and what's not. We're Maybe we there. shouldn't. But the largest asteroids are these round objects. You might call them dwarf planets, even if you wanted to. And it's been orbiting it for a while. And what's sure. what's cool about this Sounds is insulting, that this spacecraft, <laughs> this spacecraft has now left this asteroid and is on its way to another asteroid called Ceres. And it's the first spacecraft we've ever had that visited one object in space, did a mission there, and then took off and is heading to another object in space. So it's our, our first time we've actually had sort of an expedition that could explore more than one planetary object. And like a so, space Kristen Stewart. Is yeah, that her name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, this thing is promiscuous. It's not satisfied yeah! with just one asteroid. I read the news. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so Ceres is like really huge. It's like bigger than all other asteroids combined. So it's probably not an asteroid. Well, this is semantics. You know, what do you want to call it? In some ways, it's like a planet. It's large enough so that it's round by self-gravity. All right, so beyond the asteroid belt, we get to... There's nothing at Jupiter now, right? Well, no, but we have a spacecraft called Juno on its way. Well, it hasn't launched yet, but it's about to be launched to Jupiter, and it's a magnificent spacecraft. It's going to basically probe the interior of Jupiter by orbiting in such a way that we can measure the gravity and learn what it's like on the inside. Sounds dirty. <laughs> See, the word probe today, you know... Well, we haven't gotten to Uranus yet. <laughs> <laughs> we can leave if you guys want to be alone. Yeah. The amount that science is only sex words is upsetting. <laughs> it's a mandatory probe. Yeah. So Jupiter's got Europa. Yeah. I'd love me some yeah. Europa. Yeah, we don't have any missions on their way to Europa now, but we might. NASA's top priority for a next big, what we call flagship mission, billion-dollar-plus missions. Billion-plus yeah. would be billions and billions. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. thank you. I'm sure I, we I just shut down it. the yeah. schools in the states that don't matter. We could easily <laughs> afford to do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know how little a billion dollars gets you in this country? Better give it to me and I'll find out. <laughs> if any no. billionaires are listening, please give me $1 billion. Yes. <laughs> so what's in Your store for Europa? So Europa's NASA's top priority target for our next big mission because it's one of the places where there ought to be life if we're right about what it takes for life. There's an ocean, we think, beneath this icy crust. In fact, maybe our solar system's biggest ocean of liquid water there. So we want to know that for sure, and we want to understand... Kept warm, not by the sun. Yeah, kept but warm. by the by, core? No, no, no. By, well, kind of, but it's Jupiter's gravity. It's the flexing of the moons in orbit around Jupiter's massive gravitational field interacting with each other. What if in doing this, that warms them we up and opened melts up that water? <laughs> and all the monsters came out. <laughs> Jim, that's the fifth planet he you're worried about point. monsters. Have you not fully come out of childhood? There's probably First of monsters. All, if there's out life there. there, I think it's reasonable. And a to lot say of those monsters. monsters will look like shellfish. <laughs> yeah, but we want to find monsters on Europa. I want to be the first person to eat a space lobster. <laughs> Deadliest catch, Europa. <laughs> Ice <Yeah>. moon truckers. <laughs> Hi.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. On to Saturn. Yeah, we have a spacecraft there now called Cassini that's one of these Energizer Bunny spacecraft. It got there in July 2004, and it's been making beautiful images of Saturn and the rings, but the most astounding discoveries have been about the moons. Titan is a moon of Saturn that is one of the most interesting places for astrobiology because it turns out to be a very Earth-like world in some ways. It's got rivers, it's got volcanoes, it's got clouds, it's got rainfall. It's, but it's got coastlines, too. Yeah. It's got coastlines, yeah. but it's all made out of weird stuff. The rivers are liquid methane, the rainfalls liquid methane, the dunes are organic matter blowing around. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean organic matter? Like carbon stuff, the stuff that we're made out like of. Like life? Is Maybe. Rivers of flowing life? Maybe. <laughs> that would be literally scary. sounds like a James Taylor song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How long would it take me to get there and I'm like on a bicycle? It would take you a long time. It's a billion miles away. It's very, very cold there, but there's a lot going on on Titan. Okay, and so what you're saying is its temperature is so cold that what we normally think of as gas has liquefied. And what oh, we that's norm- happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was 16 and I was really, really sick. Yeah. (laughs) So, things that we think of as gas, there is a temperature at which it would liquefy. That's what's happened on Titan. So, isn't it true that 
Water there is just simply frozen solid so that it's the bedrock of the planet? Yeah. So it's way too cold on the surface for our kind of life because the water is all frozen. Could there be some other kind of life in liquid methane? That's an interesting possibility. Maybe life doesn't require liquid water. Maybe it just requires a liquid. A liquid. And interesting organic chemistry, of which there's oodles on Titan. But underneath the surface, there is a liquid water ocean on Titan. So there's probably even geological activity that's mixing those organics from the surface down into the ocean underground. And and if it's so cold and it has volcanoes, then these are like ice volcanoes. Yeah. What's an ice volcano? Well, picture a volcano where instead of magma, it's liquid water coming out and freezing like magma does on Earth. And it hurls chunks of ice rather than chunks of rock because the ice is the rock. Another cool thing about Titan, by the way, is if you did go there, I think human-powered flight would be possible, like those machines that Leonardo da Vinci designed. Helicopters? Well, no, like wings, because there's very low gravity and there's a very thick, dense atmosphere. So you could probably strap on some wings and go flying on Titan. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would love that. Was that because I said strap on? Oh. Oh. How dare you? No, that would be up my alley if it was temperature controlled. (laughs) But by the way, there's another problem. Mm -hmm. If you bring oxygen to Titan, it's going to explode. So a person with an oxygen tank on Titan is a bomb. So, so if you, you got to be careful on you, Titan, you would blow up. Well, I if you lit a cigarette go. or something, forget it. You're just gonna. It sounds pretty dangerous. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, geez, maybe we should. It's too dangerous. Well, maybe, but you know, people like to do crazy stuff. I mean, people climb Mount Everest. What's gets to stop people from going to do extreme sports on Titan? Just to clarify, on Titan, you have rivers of methane, but you can't just take a match and toss it in and explode the planet. Because there's no oxygen, oxygen, and it needs the oxygen to combust. Right. Hence your comment, if you bring an oxygen tank, you are a walking bomb. Right. So we'd have to give some thought as to how to build a space suit that you could bring to Jimmy, Titan. No. I, I wouldn't want to yeah. be the guy to test it out. <laughs> we'll send some bacteria first, you know? Then how will bacteria change it? It will change its surroundings, right? It depends if they could live there. That'd be kind of awesome. But probably any Earth bacteria we send would not be able to live on Titan. You genetically engineer bacteria to do this. You can imagine engineering a species that will enjoy that environment and maybe produce oxygen as its byproduct. It'll ignite the methane. That'll get rid of it and make the place good for us to land in the future. Yeah, but you don't want to get rid of the methane on Titan because the methane is the greenhouse gas that keeps it from being even colder. So I think we have to give some thought to the unintended consequences of your little scheme here. (laughs) No, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. If you evaporate the methane, then that would warm the moon, not cool it, right? No, 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 because methane is the main greenhouse gas on Titan. That's what I'm saying. So you put it in the atmosphere. Oh, if you get it out of the lakes and into the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that could warm it up. Yeah. That would be yes. Okay. I am ready to act on this plan. You guys agree? Let's do this. (laughs) But not by releasing oxygen. I think we got to work this out a little bit. No, no, we're all set. (laughs) You guys clearly have it all figured out. So moons are cool. There's this other place called Enceladus, which is really awesome. Another moon of Saturn. Another moon of Saturn that is spewing water out into space. 
It's like someone left the water yeah, running. They left it on. We need someone to go up but there and turn the faucet off. But it doesn't make sense because it's just frozen icy moon, but the South Pole, for some reason, is hot and spewing water into space. Has it been drinking? What's the water doing in space now? It makes one of the rings of Saturn. I mean, there's an E-ring, which is fed by the stuff squirting out of Enceladus. So that which Saturn moons spew forth goes into space, and it joins the other material to make the rings of Saturn. And some of it snows down on the surface of Enceladus, which is cool because if we want to see if there's life on Enceladus, unlike Europa where we have to drill down through all this ice, if there are microbes in Enceladus, they're literally snowing down on the surface and you could just go with a shovel and find them. Then scoop them up. Scoop them up. So, take me to Uranus and Neptune. But we got nothing. You keep saying there. Uranus in a way that's like different from how people used to say it. You keep saying like Uranus or something. You want to hear something funny about that? One time, Carl Sagan told me that name dropper. Andrew. I know. <laughs> but he told me that when but he. But if you're gonna do it somewhere, this is a good choice. When he was in school, the kids got all giggly about calling it Uranus because it had the word urine in it. So you can't win. We don't have anything going at Uranus now. Uranus. One of the Voyagers, Voyager 2, after it I was flew in a by. Voyager two-parter. I didn't think anyone was going to bring it up, so I just thought I should bring it up. All right. All right. Yeah. She Sorry. was on the, Voyager, in a two-part episode of Voyager on Star Trek. That's Everything's a- clear now. Next. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, wow. no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've only had one mission there, a flyby, in the 80s. But in NASA's 10-year plan, the decadal survey that they just came out with, a very influential plan for the highest priority missions for the next decade, one of the top priority missions is a billion-dollar probe to Uranus. We need Obamacare. Yeah. (laughs) All right, and so now we got a mission to Pluto. We got one Pluto fan. Pluto the Did you make them change the name of Pluto, or just it's not a planet, but we can still call it Pluto? I didn't make anybody do anything. All I did... No, no. All I did was offer insight into how to think about the problem, and what you then conclude is inevitable from the facts. <laughs> Sounds like you were mean to a planet. <laughs> and then you justify it or something? Yeah, you know, That's I have- called bullying. I had all these kids at the museum coming up and asking me what happened to Pluto. I, you know you've been through all that, too, but I had to reassure them it was okay. Yeah, Pluto is still there. Yeah. But we're headed there. I'm, I'm glad. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. So it's a little spacecraft called New Horizons. It launched in January 2006. I was there <laughs> It sounds like an airline launch. magazine. It was incredible. <laughs> it's called the Delta Traveler <laughs> thing. <laughs> Uh, New Horizons for Horizon New there is Line. A, uh, we'll there was a great interview with Matt Damon with Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the fastest object ever launched from Earth because it's got a long way to go and it's most of the way there now. It's getting there in July 2015. How, how long yeah. does it take to get to planets and stuff generally? Well, how long is it from 2006 to 2015? <laughs> but that's a long time because Pluto's really far away. It's on the 
edge of the solar system. It's How long does it take to get to like Mars or? Oh, Mars so it's takes like nine, two nine months. Flights. Nine months. Mars is fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ooh, nine months. Okay. It's a gestational kind of time scale. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For the human species. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So Pluto's in our sights, in spite of the demotion. Yeah. Okay. And so that's a good thing. However, you're not going to pull into orbit. This is going to be a flyby. Yeah. You're going to wait ten years, and you got like what five hours. Yeah, it's very, very fast. It just whips through the system, and we don't even get the pictures back right away because it's such a little spacecraft, and so far away it takes like a month after we get there to send the pictures back. But it's going to be really cool. Pluto, we already know just from the Hubble Space Telescope, (laughs) Pluto has a a varied surface. It's got light areas and dark areas. We know it's got an atmosphere that is escaping into space. A lame atmosphere. Well... it depends what you mean by a lame atmosphere. It's what got, percent of Earth's atmosphere is, it is cool? Pluto's atmosphere? It's just oh, not it's cool. tiny. It's lame. It's tiny. But <laughs> Quantify it's, the word tiny. I don't know. You tell me. It's microbars hey, One, one thousandth of Earth's atmosphere? Is it a what millibar? What do you mean by lame atmosphere? Lame, hardly any atmosphere. Well, you could say that about Mars. And Mars just has I would oil. just say it was deficient. I would call it lame. Yeah. Yeah. It seems hostile, really. That's awfully chauvinistic. It's an interesting atmosphere because it's streaming off of the surface into space, and we've never actually visited a place with an atmosphere like that. So I think we're going to learn some new things. So Pluto's surface is generating its own atmosphere. Exactly. And then that atmosphere flies off into space. Yeah. But Pluto's orbit is so elliptical, when it goes far from the sun, is that when you recover the atmosphere that's left? Yeah, I mean, that's what's weird is that Pluto's atmosphere seems to sort of come and go with its weird seasons as it slowly... It's because of its tilt. In this case, no. (laughs) But, you know, Earth's atmosphere is streaming off into space, too, by the way. What? It is. (laughs) Sorry. Just slowly. So slowly that it's okay, or, like, slow slowly that we really need to convince Republicans of it? No, so slowly that it's okay. But it's a normal thing. It's a normal, healthy thing for a planet to be losing atmosphere. So this mission ought to keep the Pluto lovers happy in spite of the demotion, right? Yeah, the demotion thing, as you know, it's fun to talk about, but it's really kind of silly from a scientific standpoint. It doesn't reflect really what we've learned about Pluto. In a way, it reflects what we've learned about the rest of the solar system and the rest of the universe. Um, And ourselves. You know, the demotion doesn't doesn't change the scientific interest in Pluto. The more we learn about Pluto, the more we learn about ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, It's a kind of place we've never been before, so we're pretty excited. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So what are the prospects for life on the exoplanets that are now joining the catalogs of what we know to exist in the galaxy? I would say almost 100%. In other words, if you believe there's no life on any exoplanet, then it's almost like being a creationist. You have to think that there's something so special, so remarkable about Earth that's not going to be met anywhere in the... Say billions and billions. Billions and billions of... of worlds out there. And that just seems incredibly unlikely. If that were true, it would mean there's something astounding about this planet. But nothing that we've learned about the history of life, about what we think we know about the origin of life, about the conditions for it, suggests that that's true. How about a probe outside? to leave our solar system and go to another star system. 
It's going to be hard. The stars are very far away. They're not just far away, you know? It's but what if we could fold space with all of the energy of the universe? Yeah. So if there were some new physics that we don't know about that we discovered, that's one way to do it. But the thing is, there are some trends. If you look at uh, Moore's Law, how fast technology is changing, the miniaturization of technology, if we could make a space probe the size of this Coke can that had the sophisticated instrumentation of the Mars rover, which we probably will be able to do before too long, and accelerated it close to the speed of light, which we might be able to do before too long, then it's not going to take that long. So Wait, how do we do that? Is that a th- technology we it's might gonna have It's going to be an to? app. <laughs> exactly. It's beyond our current capabilities, but I can't swear to you that in 50 years that will be true. Like all this work that's going to have to happen, I don't have to do any of it, right? <laughs> Jim, I'm going to need you to build a Coke can-sized probe that travels almost at the speed of light. But I'm going to give you a month to look into it. Are we sort of close to anything? Or are we like 50 years away? Or no, I mean, what's going to happen first is that we're going to learn a lot about the exoplanets with telescopes and with very clever techniques of looking at the light coming from them. We're already doing that now. We're discovering them and we're we'll starting look for to for methane on yeah. one of the ex- So let let me offer some reflective concluding comments here. From what I know of the universe... Which is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But not as much as... Probably more than I know, even. (laughs) (laughs) The the cool thing about the universe is something can be rare, yet common. So something can happen one in a million stars... But when you have 400 billion stars, it's happening all the time in the galaxy. That's why some people have so many marriages. (laughs) And so... The older we live. The good thing about the universe is you can appeal to the sheer scale of the cosmos to improve the likelihood of finding that which is otherwise highly improbable. And that's the kind of universe I enjoy living in. I didn't have a choice, but suppose the universe had 10 stars in it. Then clearly we'd be the only planet with life. But when you have billions of Wait, stars... no, because then even this... Here we have life maybe on other planets. Maybe so, exactly. Sorry. Sorry, good Just good to point. clarify the science. Good point. I'm with you. That's We're good. That's why I'm here. I guess... I- <laughs> So let me clarify the point, that if there are only a dozen stars, you have room for uniqueness in such small systems. But when you have a universe, a galaxy with hundreds of billions of stars, and a universe of nearly a hundred billion galaxies, then it's just a matter of where you're looking and how long it takes before you find something else just like what you wanted to find. And so I would say, yes, 100% chance of finding life because the universe doesn't make anything in ones. I just hope they're nice. <laughs> Jim, of all you heard, where do you, oh. want to, where do you want to visit in the solar system? Where do you want to go? Oh my gosh. From what uh, you had learned, from what you can glean. <laughs> I thought there wasn't going to be a test. Uh, <laughs> I guess Mars, because, you know, the blood. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. I'd probably say Mars because, like, everybody's talking about it. And um, <laughs> it's, you know. I heard Brad and Angelina already have a place there. <laughs> Mars's ears are burning tonight. <laughs> Mars, okay. Uh, I think 
Was it Europa that was the ice and underneath is lobsters? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shellfish. That Europa is not the same as I, that coffee shop on 57th like Street, right? Yeah. <laughs> Europa. Europa. I want to go, go to Titan and go rafting down one of those methane rivers and try not to blow up. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I foresee a future where we embrace space exploration on such a scale that it's no longer just sort of one mission here or there, that the entire solar system becomes our backyard. And on that note, thanks for joining us for Star Talk Live! And thank you to the panel. Jim Gaffigan. Sarah Silverman. Eugene Merriman. And our cosmic man about town, David Grinspoon. David. And I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Star Talk Radio is brought to you in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Give it up for the NSF. Communist. <laughs> At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.